0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. This morning, the title of the message is called, A Follower Leader. Okay? Brother Marty, that doesn't make very much sense. A Follower Leader. And I'm just going to get this out in the open first and foremost. So typically, once a year, I talk about something from a leadership perspective. It is not at all, for any reason, do I think that we have poor leadership here, okay? Um, I think that the leaders here are fantastic. Uh, We have great pastors. Uh, We have a great board. So we have great leadership here, Um. The reason why I speak on this subject maybe once a year is because this is something that I'm passionate about. If um, Kevin Marty is passionate about, if he's passionate about something other than fishing, okay, maybe it's about leadership. And the reason being is sometimes if you've had a weakness or if you failed at something, you tend to overcompensate. Okay to try to overcome that weakness, so um, this is something very passionate about. Um, I believe that this is needed in our homes, churches, businesses, government, everywhere. I believe that leadership is really the answer to pretty much everything when things are not going right. okay now, one of the things I love about leadership is almost. All of the principles can be found in the Bible. So this is really something that you can talk about with others that directly applies to the word, okay? Now, in our society today, leadership is not taught. It isn't. You cannot grow up and go through our education system today and be taught how to be a leader. I have been a product of that, all right? leadership has to be intentional. So um, we must teach it. You know, we have a lot of knowledge, a lot of learning. In fact, we have more learning going on in our society today than ever. But we have little mentoring. You know, if there's one thing that I try to teach my kids that I talk about to them often is about leadership. I think that this is one of the things that you can equip your kids with where they can be successful anywhere. You know, um, well, no, it doesn't matter what pos- pos- profession you go into. The, every profession needs leaders. Um, the church is the best place for this to be taught, okay? So you've heard about servant leadership. I mean, who's heard about servant leadership, Right? So who, who has heard about a follower leader or followership? Okay, I am defining a new term. <laughs> it probably will not be that popular, okay? Because here's basically the whole message, is that before, so you can be a servant leader, but still lose sight of what's really important. What I'm going to contend today is that first and foremost, in order to be a servant leader, you must be a follower leader. You have to keep your mind, your focus. You have to be following God, okay? You have to be following Christ first and foremost. So there's, I mean, there'd be many, many different examples that we could take a look at here. Um, I have a couple of them. We're going to start in Exodus 32. So I'm going to read a a couple of verses in Exodus 32 and 33. We're going to look at Moses real quick, Joshua, um, Peter, and Paul. Just real quick. So Exodus 32. Please follow along in your Bibles. Um, We're going to start at verse 1. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come make us gods that shall go before us, for as this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we did not know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings, which were in their ears, and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a golden calf. Then they said, This is our God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. So, this isn't really an example of good leadership, is it? It's really the contrary. And what's interesting is Moses has went to the mountain to get a word from the Lord. Okay? While he was gone, he left Aaron in charge. Aaron had a brief moment to step up to be a leader. But he failed. You know, the people came to them, and he served them, right? Right? but he let them build an an idol in the middle of the camp. Let's skip down to verse 7. And the Lord said to Moses, Go, get down, for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I have commanded them. They have made themselves a molded calf and worshiped it and sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this, and indeed it is a stiff necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them and that I may consume them, and that I will make you a great nation. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have spoken of I give to your descendants and they shall inherit it forever. So the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. So one of the first pieces... From a follower leader is that Moses had a one-on-one-on relationship with God. And because of this relationship, he was able to see the idols, right, that the people were falling into. And it is tough when you lead. You know especially sometimes in, when you 're in business in the secular world, there are some tough decisions that you have to make from a leadership perspective and some it's oftentimes you can easily justify things, but with a relationship with god you 're able to see those things clearer for what they are you know and then What I really love about Moses is he didn't blame his people, but he interceded for them. You know, he got down on his knees and prayed and interceded with God. And I'm going to skip down to um, verse 25. This is chapter 32 yet. Now, when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained, for Aaron had no restraint had no not restrained them to their shame among their people among their enemies restraint <laughs> you know in our society today we are becoming unrestrained aren't we we are, there is nothing holding anything back anymore and We need restraints. We absolutely need restraints. <clears throat> In fact, I th- you know, I think the church is the only thing, no, of course, God, is the only thing that's restraining from utter chaos breaking forth, you know? Now, as a leader, you can get restrained crazy, can't you? What's that called? Yeah, a control freak, right? You do have to allow people to make decisions. You can't make every decision for them. But we do need restraints. We need to understand what God's will is. Verse 34 of chapter 32 Now therefore go lead the people to the place of which I have spoken to you behold my angel shall go before you nevertheless in the day when I visit for punishment I will vi- I will visit punishment upon them for their sin so the Lord plagued the people because of what they did with the calf which Aaron made then the Lord said to Moses depart and go up from here you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give it. And I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, and the Hittites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people." So what does God tell Moses? He's not going to go with them. This is and it's really really interesting how Moses reacts to this. He what's interesting is he promises that he's going to send his angel with him, but his presence isn't going to go with him. And What's really interesting in this is that in verse 1 he gives Moses the credit for bringing him up out of Egypt. Do you see that? It says depart and go up from here you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt. When you lead, God will give you the glory. He will. If you accept it, he will give you the credit. In fact, I I think this is one of the most difficult things um, to keep in perspective as being a leader. Now, we're going to see Moses' reaction to this, and it's fantastic. So starting at verse 5, For the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the children of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. I could come up into your midst in one moment and consume you. Now therefore take off your ornaments, that I may know what to do to you. So the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by Mount Horeb. Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the Tabernacle of Meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was, whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle, all the people rose, and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass, when Moses entered the tabernacle, that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked to Moses." And the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend, and he would return to his camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle." Moses had a servant. You know, this is a principle that, of course, you can talk on forever. Moses had a lot of leaders. But it only mentions that Joshua was a servant here. You know, we need... I wish somebody would have taught me this. One lesson. If you want to lead... And I'm kind of getting off my message a little bit, but you really, and Pastor Kylie's talked about this before, you have to be a good servant. You know, the servants of today will be tomorrow leaders. They will. It will happen. But you really, 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 first and foremost, have to serve. And some of us think, no, we're just born to lead. But we really first need to follow. Follow. And this is really where I was getting at the heart of the message is the next couple of verses. So the Lord spoke, to, um, getting down to verse 12. Then Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people. But you have not let me know you will send who you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Do you see what Moses did? God said, you take them. I'm going to be with you. Moses said, no. Uh Uh-uh. That's not the way it's going to work, God. I absolutely do not want that. Moses insisted on God's presence, right, going before him. He insisted that the people follow God's presence. He knew that it wasn't himself, right, that brought him up out of Egypt. He knew it was God and his presence that gave him the success. And he wasn't going to fall into the trap of feeling that it was all about him. What is so awesome is that God responds, like, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to give you what? Rest. <clears throat> it is easy when you lead to become restless, it is really easy to become restless not having a clear direction or not knowing where to go. But what's great is if we put God out front and really make him the leader, he gives us that rest that we need. Moving on to verse 16. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he said, please show me your glory. Then he said, I will make my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. I find it interesting that Moses Refers to the people that he's leading is not his own people. He knows and he understands that they're God's people. Sometimes when we lead, (laughs) we believe that they're our people. They're not ours, they're God's. But what's really, really important. Is that Moses asks to see God's glory? He is not interested in his own glory. It's one of the unbelievable traps of leadership. Moses is interested in God getting the glory. <clears throat> And Moses knows that it's, if he seeks God's glory, that what follows? Goodness. If we really want goodness, we seek God's glory. You know, and we demand that God go out in front of us. God allowed Moses to get the credit But Moses gave it right back to him. He allowed God to get the glory. Okay, um, we're going to switch up here a little bit. So we're going to, actually, one more thing before we move on. Um, Let's go to Numbers 32, verse 11. So we heard um, Joshua mentioned earlier, right? Being the servant. And we get to hear a couple of comments about Joshua. So chapter 32, verse 11. Surely none of the men whom came up from Egypt from 20 years old and above, shall see the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me. Did you get that word, wholly followed me? Except Caleb, the son of, that's a hard word, Jephunneh, the Kenazite, and Joshua, the son of Nun. For they have wholly followed the Lord. How did they wholly follow the Lord? What did they do that made them different from the other leaders that were sent out? Was it some sin that they did? They believed. They believed that God could do what seemed difficult. You know, so then when they went into the land, when they sent in the 12 leaders to look at the land, they were the ones that said, Yes, we can go in and do this. They believed that God would go with them. They tried to encourage the people that they could overcome and occupy the land. in what, what's earlier, what it says about the others, I think it's in verse 9, it does. So I'm just jumping back here to verse 9. For when they went up to the valley of Eshkel and saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the children of Israel. Sometimes things just don't make sense. I don't, um I don't mean to at all make this about me, but I have, I guess you would call it like a testimony of when God was able to intervene in the last couple of years and do something that, which seemed impossible. And it was interesting, I got fired basically in 2012, and um, so we started a new company And that new company just kind of took off. But what was interesting, there arose a situation where the previous company that we were working with, there were tensions tensions that were kind of growing, and it looked like there was going to be a conflict. And it was interesting. I remember getting back together with our partners. And they're like, well, what are we going to do about this? This, doesn't, this is not going to work out. And I'm like, well, I, def, I definitely don't want to do wrong. I want to do the right thing. They're like, well, if we do the right thing, it just isn't going to work out. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to pray for a win-win situation. And it was kind of interesting, about a month or two later, we got a call from those guys. They said, hey, we want to get out of this. You know, and I I just bring up the point with a follower leader is in belief, we don't have to have the answer, and quite frankly, this is what kind of got me on this message, Because I was praying once, I'm like, God, how do I lead? I don't know where to go. This was his answer, follow me. I'm like, I don't know how to do this. How do I lead when I don't even know where I'm going? I think there's a whole bunch of people that are sitting in that boat. They want to lead, but they don't know what to do. This is my answer. This isn't my answer, it's God's answer. Follow me. Okay, we're going to switch. How are we doing? Um, let's go to Matthew 4, verse 18 and 19. Okay, so we had a little bit of Old Testament. Now we're going to get a little bit of New Testament. Would everybody agree that Peter is a pretty good leader? Yeah? Yeah? So, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. And Jesus, walking by the sea of galleys, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Okay, Brother Marty, what are Where are you going with this? The word make. All right. When it comes to leaders, we know that God is making us. Okay? We're not just instantly made. You understand the difference? It is a process. (laughs) It, It takes a while. I've been praying, God, make me a leader, make me a leader, make me a leader. I am in my time, little by little. And if we have that mentality of making, especially with us, God has the ability to change us and mold us and make us better. If we have the concept that we are made, there is no changing. We are there. We are it. We are made. He is making. Am I being too dramatic? God is also making our people. He's making. Those that we have the opportunity, and that's what it is. When you lead, it's an opportunity, okay? It is an awesome opportunity. But God is making those. They're not instantaneously made either. I think one of the biggest mistakes that we can make as leaders is that we expect perfection in those that are following. You know, God's making, He's making. It's gonna take time. This is a Kevin Marty comment, but when I look for people, I'm looking first and foremost for somebody that's makeable. You know, Jesus just wanted, just needed somebody that was makeable. I mean, Peter did not have the best resume for leading a church. He was a fisherman. But he was makeable. He was moldable. He was mentorable. He was teachable. If you are teachable, if you are makeable, you are better off. That's a huge quality. You should never be discouraged with going in and talking to somebody if you're applying for a position, if you are makeable. The other thing I will tell you that when we look in at people is... The opposite of that, right? Because with our society today, and I'm talking being a product of that, we can be filled with pride and not be teachable. And those are the absolute, it's tough when they're on your team. It really is tough. Okay, we're going to move to um, chapter 14, verses 25 through 21. So, So Matthew 14, this is still about Peter. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and, begin, and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? We've all heard this hundreds of times. From a leadership perspective, there are scary things that are out there. There are. All of the disciples were afraid. I didn't say that Peter was not afraid. They were all afraid. It can be scary leading, especially, especially, especially when you have to try to do something you've never done before. It's tough. Did you hear what Peter said to him? Though, command me. Peter knew that if Jesus commanded him, he would go out there. See, he didn't. It wasn't because Peter wasn't afraid. It was just that Peter was going to obey God's command. You know. We can do the same you know we can get out of the boat we can do something new getting doing something new is absolutely absolutely imperative when you lead going into new areas that's not easy and as we as peter demonstrated you can fail and follower leaders fail we fail a lot you know But he got out <clears throat> and he knew he had trust and this is so important from a, being a leader a follower leader. all right i'm going somewhere I haven't gone before, but I trust jesus i, I don't he's not going to let me drown it I may fail I could fail. I just kind of want to reflect once from the guys that were in the boat it's easy right oh what's that what is he getting out on the water for that guy's an idiot you know what he's just trying to obey the voice of god that's all he's trying to do he's he's trying to go somewhere we've never gone before let's give him a little grace now It doesn't record that those disciples said anything. All I'm doing is looking back at what we could say. And don't we have a tendency to do that once in a while when we see somebody that's kind of out there? They're going out there where we haven't really gone before. Well, I don't know if that's going to work. I don't think that's going to work. It's easy to say that. You know what, brother? If God's calling you to do it, he's going to be with you. Go! All right, First Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11.1. This was mentioned at Sister Franklin's funeral. It wasn't in my original message. <clears throat> but I'm like, wow, that is so appropriate. Now the NIV version of it says, follow me as I follow Christ. The King James, I believe, says, imitate me, right? Imitate me, follow me as I follow Christ. The follower leader admits and knows and understands that they are a follower. They identify clearly who the leader is. Right? Right? There's, There's no mistaking, follow me. But on the other hand, you know what he says? He invites others. Hey, if you want, follow me. You can, but I'm following Christ. Thank you, church. Um, You guys are awesome. So I'm just, as a summary, really quick. A follower leader has a one-on-one relationship with God and keeps his peoples from idols, right? He intercedes with them, he seeks God's glory cuz he wants God's goodness, right? A follower leader, I love this word. Holy follows. Holy follows the Lord. W H O L Y, right? But can't it be H O L Y? Holy wholly follows the Lord. He believes that God will step in and do the impossible. When nothing else makes sense. And so you can still do the right thing. They believe and they understand the process of making. They go where they haven't gone before. And they admit to themselves that they are a follower, first and foremost. Thank you, Lord, for this word uh, thank you for this opportunity, dear Lord Jesus. I just prayed, dear Lord God, that you're with the remainder of this service, and we just may may we have a blowout service here today, Lord, and we'll give you the glory in Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God, and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast please telephone our ministerial team at two six two nine six five five one seven seven, or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.